create expectations. When the road we're traveling isn't straight and smooth, we encounter unexpected detours. Road closure ahead. That delay us from moving forward. This is where dreams die and passions fade. Obstacle in road ahead. We can feel lost. Turn around when possible. But there's an alternate route. We can learn about navigating our expectations with a God who knows the way forward. Redirecting route. We are beginning a new season today, and that brings a new message series. If you're new here yourself, you should know this is something we do. We take a topic, hopefully a topic relevant to your life, with lots of practical application, and over the course of four to six weeks, we delve deep into it. Our daily devotional and weekly small group program go even deeper, the aim being that together we grow through the course of a series. By the way, if you're interested in learning more about our daily devotional or our small group program, check it out on our website. To kick things off today, we're looking at expectations. Expectations. The fall is a season of expectation, isn't it? We have expectations for a new school year, maybe a new school. My niece Elizabeth and my goddaughter Elsa both started new schools this week, and they're full of anticipation about it. Perhaps this is a season where you're finally returning to the office, and that's fraught with expectation. And of course, we have sky-high expectations when it comes to the Ravens this season. <laughs> An expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or be true in the future. Fall's a season of expectation for sure, but they're not just a fall thing, they're a lifetime kind of thing. Life is largely about, among other things, expectations. So today, as we start this series, I want to share with you four key truths about expectation that are absolutely vital to grasp for our health and well-being. And if we don't grasp these truths, if we fail to grasp these truths, then our expectations can actually work against us, even hurt and harm us. So, truth number one, when it comes to expectations. Expectations are multifaceted. You have expectations for every area of your life. So do I. Every day, all day long, we operate under expectations or assumptions. You expect your alarm to go off. You expect your coffee to be hot. You expect your car to start. Expectations are a part of everyday life. Not terribly critical or important, but we wouldn't get very far into our day without them. Other expectations are simply practical necessities. I expect my employees to do their job. I expect my students to be responsible. I expect you to be truthful with me. And still other expectations are held in the heart and matter to us a great deal. I expect my spouse to be attentive. I expect my kids to get along. I expect my friends to support me. Second expectation truth, expectations are a lens, 
a lens through which we evaluate our life. When your job is meeting or exceeding your expectations, you feel good about your job. You feel great. You love your work. When a family member does what you want them to do, you feel better about that person. You feel closer to that person. On the other hand, when you have expectations for someone or something and they're not meeting those expectations, you do not feel good. You do not feel good about the relationship, about the employee, about the experience. It can leave you feeling annoyed and even angry. Third expectation truth. Expectations are a two-way street. While you have expectations for me, guess what? I have expectations for you, too. Expectations are placed upon us all the time. Expectations about how to do your job. Expectations about your parenting skills. Expectations about how or where or with whom you will spend the holidays. Your parents have expectations for you. Your kids have expectations for you. Your employer and your employees have expectations for you. And there can be all those unspoken expectations out there in the community that the community culture places upon us. From what clothes we wear to what kind of car we drive to where our kids go to school. And just as we evaluate others by how they're living up to expectations we form for them, they're doing the same for us. Then there is the fourth most important truth about expectations. And to explore this truth, we're going to slow down and take a look at a very famous parable or story from the 15th chapter of Luke's gospel. We heard a little bit about this in today's gospel reading. Luke tells us the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to him. But the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The religious leaders called the Pharisees complain that Jesus is not acting as they would expect him to act. A religious person, a religious leader at that time wasn't supposed to welcome and fraternize with sinners. They were supposed to call them out and condemn them. And yet, Jesus broke with their expectation. He welcomed people who were far from God. Think about that. And by the way, we believe the church should do the same. Just as people disconnected from God felt welcomed by Jesus, people disconnected from God should feel welcomed by our church. Anyway, Jesus didn't meet the Pharisees' expectations, and so they began to grumble and complain about him. You know, when we find ourselves grumbling and complaining, it's often a sign that our hearts have soured from unmet expectations. In response to their grumbling and complaining, Jesus tells three parables, all about something that's lost. We heard two of them in today's gospel reading, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. But then comes the most famous parable of all, the parable of the lost or prodigal son. What's that about? Well, certain man, man had two sons. Shockingly, the younger son insults his father by demanding his inheritance as if the father were already dead. Then he goes off to a distant country and runs through the money on riotous living. 
Circumstances eventually redu reduce him to abject poverty, and that's where we pick up the story. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but he here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would one of your hired workers. The prodigal son has no expectations that he will be welcomed back into the favor of the family. The most he's hoping for is that his father will give him a job, which in itself, given how he treated his father, seems like a stretch. Here's what happened. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The father orders a ring and a robe to be given to him, symbols of his restoration into the favor of the family. And then, surprisingly, shockingly, the father throws a party. The young man gets so much more than he expected, and he gets more than expected because he humbled himself. He knew he had no right to his father's mercy, and because of his humility, he gets to experience it. You can't expect mercy. You can't demand forgiveness. You can ask for it and humbly receive it. That's an important insight, but it's not the insight that I'm talking about, counted as a bonus insight. Actually, we discover the insight I'm talking about not by looking at the younger brother, but looking at the older brother. Here's his story. Now, the older brother had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother works dutifully out in the field while his father is throwing a party for the irresponsible younger brother. That was not, that was not what the older brother had expected. But then, as we read on, we see that the older brother had other unmet expectations for his father. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never once gave me a goat to feast on with my friends. The older brother insults the father by not coming into the house, forcing the father to come and beg him to join the party made even more embarrassing for the father because it all happened in front of his guests. And then the young man speaks to him in an incredibly disrespectful way. It's insulting, but it's also deeply revealing. The older brother worked for the father not out of love and respect or even duty and honor, but because he expected to get something in return. And this unspoken expectation had built up over the years into an entitlement with which he came to resent the father. You know, if we're not careful, our expectations can make us judgmental and even bitter. 
And here's what that looks like. I allow my expectations to become the standard with which I hold you accountable. And if you don't meet that standard, I judge you. And in the process, I'm becoming more and more self-righteous. That's what happened here. The older brother forms expectations for how his father should act without even telling him. Don't you love that? People form expectations for you and don't even tell you that they have those expectations for you. He forms expectations for his father, fails to even tell his father about it, and then gets angry when the expectations go unmet. Take a look at the father's response. The father said to him, my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. Don't miss this. While the older son had repeatedly referred to your son and your property, the father tenderly addresses him as my son. While the older son wants to distance himself from the father and the family, the father, who represents our heavenly father, draws near to him, saying, everything I have is yours. You could have asked anything you wanted anytime. All you have to do is ask. He continues and concludes. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and is now found. If he'd really known anything at all about his father, he could have expected this is how he would act, placing as the highest value family bonds in his relationship with his son. And so, here's the fourth truth about expectations that we learn from the older brother by its absence. Fourth truth, we are responsible for managing expectations. Managing expectations means, first of all, knowing we have them. The older brother probably didn't even actively realize he wanted his father to give him a party until his brother got one. How many times do we do that? How many times do we get ourselves upset and angry or annoyed because we're surprised to discover expectations we didn't even know we had? We have to give thought and attention to what expectations we have and hold. But it also means confirming that they're realistic. It was unrealistic for this guy to think his father wouldn't show mercy to his own son. Know what expectations you're holding on to, confirm that they're realistic, and then communicate them to others. Tell us about them. We'll talk more about that next week. Meanwhile, this week, why not start with that first one? Seek to make yourself more aware of your expectations. Later, after communion, we'll be offering a free tool to help you do that. Take some time in your daily quiet time this week to actively consider your expectations and deliberately raise them up in prayer. You know, I suppose this whole reflection could leave you thinking, wouldn't it be easier to lower your expectations? Or even better yet, have no expectations at all. And if that's what you're thinking, you're not alone, you're in good company. The 18th century poet, Alexander Pope, once wrote, blessed is he who expects nothing 
for he shall not be disappointed. That's funny for sure, but it would be a sad way to live and an unhealthy way to live too. Consistently low expectations for ourselves and for people we love hurts our hearts. Besides, from a Christian perspective, God sets the highest possible expectations for us. He expects us to be like his son. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.